Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you touch it in the wrong place, you know, God's God gets angry. If you touch it, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> Skidders. Hello, check one, two. Hello, welcome to Weird Tales. Okay, okay, it's fine again. Um, yeah, so, shall I just get going then? Yeah, man, just take it away. Like, we haven't done this this sort of episode before, so there's no wrong way to do it. Okay, alright. Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. I hope you're okay, welcome back. Uh, if you're a new listener, hello for the first time. Um, I, <laughs> is it obvious I didn't actually have anything to say to new listeners? Yeah, it's a weird one for him to start on. <laughs> um, so, my name's Beef, and... Uh, oh, yeah, hang on a minute, sorry, that really <laughs> threw me... <laughs> Come on, roll I've done it. a tiss. I've done a tiss. Um, and, yeah. It's all them stories Tiss was telling you. He's throwing you off. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't, I can't think. I can't think straight. Uh, with me, as always, my two uh, lovely co-hosts. Say hello, Bobby. Hello. This is Bob Shoy. Um, uh, I actually forgot what I was going to say then as well, so it's contagious. <laughs> I had something gonna, more to go, but let, just, just move on. I've, yeah, just move on. I've lost my thought. And say hello, Tiss. Hello, Tiss. Amazing. Tiss is the most professional for the first time ever. <laughs> I know. Really, really bad. Such a bad um, start. But never mind. It's fine. You guys okay? Yeah, we're good. To be fair, we've been chatting for about half an hour. <laughs> Did you survive the uh, horrendous heat wave okay? Um, did I survive the heat wave? Yes. I was working on a building site, so it was awful. Oh, my life. But, um, I was yeah. thinking of you guys working on sites. Yeah, did you work for it, Tiss? Uh, no, I had the day off. I had Monday and Tuesday off, and then I had the rest of the week off, um, just booked. Because of the heat? No, no, I booked oh, just the Wednesday to Friday because uh, I was going to Scotland. Outrageous. To be fair, my, my employer did ring me up on Tuesday, which was the hottest day on record ever in the UK for American listeners, and said, book in an extra 50 quid for today. So really, all right. Yeah, he gave me an extra 50 quid for going in on the hottest day ever. 
Seems fair. Yeah, he said go and buy yourself an ice lolly. Rachel had a Rachel had a day off school. She skived off school. No, two days last Monday and Tuesday. Um, I was already off. It was hot. It was. It was pretty it was hot. Pretty hot. I've I've spoken to a friend of mine or a friend of ours who goes to church with us. Uh, who she's American and um, she said she couldn't understand it. Like when she saw the forecast, she was like, "Oh, that's pretty hot." But like I've seen, I've been in the states where it's been hotter. Oh, with different different measurements. No, 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 no. Same. Like she was like, "No, I understand." I was oh, like, right. "No, this is like the weekend before." I was like, "No, this is going to be." It'll be horrible. I was like, it'll be really, really horrible. And she was like, oh, well, we'll see. She saw me the next weekend. She went, oh, my gosh. She was like, you weren't kidding. That was that was insane. Yeah. Um, and she said, yeah, she was like, oh, we're just, we can have those temperatures because every building is air conditioned. Like, everywhere yeah, you go, you can escape it. Yeah, we're not prepared for it in this country. It. It's, uh, it's not easy. But, you know, cold no. showers, ice packs... Sleeping in the, with yeah. nothing on, and the, well, I sleep with nothing on anyway. But just a sheet, wrapping mm. up with a duvet and all that shit. <laughs> it was not on the cards. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's a vibe. We're all right. To the listeners, that's going to feel good. really old reference. I just realised we're recording all these in advance <laughs> yeah, because I'm going yeah. away. So this is they were like, what heat wave? <laughs> yeah, the, the the one that was ages ago. The one that was ages ago. This is the first episode that we're recording as a trio since the seven year anniversary of Weird Tales. So yeah. So yes, that's right. Years. Well done for picking up on that, Tiss. I had no idea. I um yeah, I got it in my Instagram from. Uh. I didn't post that much on my Instagram, so I had it from the f- five year maybe or the right. four, four year, and I saw it and I looked at the date on when I did it and I was like, ah, that's coming up soon. Um, yeah. I can't believe it's been seven years. It was weird. The day it was when you messaged me, I was recording with Rick that day. So, yeah. in ah. a way, I was recording Weird Tales on the day. <laughs> mm. But yeah, seven years, we're still, we're still going. And we're still shaking things up, because Beef, what are we doing today? So, uh, today, we're starting a new series. So you guys know that we, we do series now, so we have uh, three or four episodes, and then we, we take a break, and then we come back. Uh, so this time, we thought we'd uh, try something a little bit different. We have started a series looking at the artifacts from the Indiana Jones movies mm. which is very exciting and you know we all we all like these movies they're, they're all classics um, and so I suppose it, it gives us an opportunity to re-watch them which is which is great it's a great excuse to re-watch them and so I'm, I'm starting us off and uh, so in in true I don't know what I was going to say. I really am. I really am <laughs> frazzled from our conversation earlier. I really am. It's really done me in. And we won't tell <laughs> the audience what that conversation was, which is even better. No, no I know. Um, but uh, we're starting off with Raiders because yeah. it's the first film in the series. And as listeners may be aware, in the film, Indiana goes after the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. And since that is a biblical artifact, it makes sense that the biblical person would dig around you see what I did there hmm. um, in this in this one so we originally had this idea way back I had this in my old I found I recovered this in an old notebook when I was going through old trying and find old episodes and uh, we talked about this yes when I lived in Stukeley still we talked about this in the first year of Weird Tales like oh we could really? do like yeah. Indiana Jones the artifacts and um 
we thought originally we were just doing an episode about the artifacts of Indiana of the Indiana Jones films. Um and then it just got we just forgot about it. And then this year, because this series last year we did the past, present and future, the skepticism season. We thought, oh, we would be interesting if we this this time of year we always do like an interesting like a spin um or a themed series. So this year we dusted off this idea of um of raiding some tombs with Indy and taking one each, taking a film each. So um, it's, it's going to be fun to go through. My, the interesting thing is, obviously, because the artifacts in the films are based on real-life things. So it has a little yeah. bit of history, which we talk about, and it has a lot of mysticism and spirituality. And yeah, and they're fun films, and everyone's seen them. So it's just something fun that everyone's familiar with. I was thinking, what we, 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 we surely need to start by talking about the movie i thought what we'd do is if we when it's our turn to host the host says about their history with the series in general so okay okay but but obviously when we're talking about the the film in particular we'll all say about like the film but beef the indiana jones series in general what's the history of it boy uh i i remember watching i remember watching raiders when i was probably younger than i should have been yeah it's got i was watching it the other day and thinking god there's stuff in this that would not be in a pg rated film nowadays no and that's that's what i i can't remember i can't remember who i was watching it with i think i was round a friend's house and we'd put it we'd put it on like we found the video and put the video on and um i seem to remember i seem to remember his his mum coming in and like turning it off and not letting us watch it and now I look back I'm like I'm absolutely you know there's there's quite a few moments in that film that you think and actually I'll tell you what lulls you into the full sense of security that it's for children is the soundtrack yeah you got a classic fun bombastic John Williams yeah jaunty fun soundtrack but it's really gory yeah at times um yeah and then I don't I think I must have been about 12 and I just watched it one Christmas we just watched all three of them um, because this was obviously before Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I was going to say, there's more than three, boy. <laughs> and there's another one next year, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember really loving them, if I'm honest. I remember just watching them on Christmas and quite enjoying them. Yeah. You know, but they are classics. They're, they're great films. I was always, like, well, I loved, like, the Star Wars movies. And then I and I Harrison liked Ford's I it. liked the indie films, but I was always like, yeah, yeah, Star Wars number one. If indie's on, I'm gonna watch it. But you can't knock Star yeah. Wars for me. Yeah, I think it's also so. It, it weirdly, Indiana Jones feels like Christmas movies to me because they tend to be on at Christmas. Because that was your history of it as well. Is when you watched it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I watched it around Christmas, and it they tend to be on at Christmas as well. So I I don't know. It's just um, but Raiders I think is the one I've seen the least probably. Interesting because it's like the most sort of iconic one. Yeah, I think it. I don't know why. I think I must have been about fifteen or sixteen, and just I remember watching it once and just thinking it was really stupid. Well, it is quite stupid. (laughs) You have to get into the stupidity of watching an Indiana Jones film. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like the people that moan about Jurassic Park. Well, this is stupid. Well, yeah, it's about dinosaurs. Yeah, if you're not in the mood, you're not going to enjoy it. You have to like really be in for something stupid and adventurous, and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, you have to be in the mood for a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Of of a certain vintage. Yeah. Is it Spielberg? Yeah. 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 It is, but it's also George Lucas as well. Lucas 
wrote it and Spielberg directed it. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, Ka- and Lawrence Kasdan wrote it as well, I think, who did some of the Star Wars stuff with Lucas. Yeah, it does. At times, it has that kind of Star Wars yes. humor, the Star Wars feel, even the pacing. It's that punchy Star Wars silly dialogue, like the quippiness between like Han Solo and, and uh, Leia, but yeah. directed by Spielberg. And it's that uh, Kasdan yeah. really is the one who does that sort of that dialogue from those original films. Yeah. What about you guys then? Raiders, I think the one I've seen the most weirdly is Temple of Doom, which is the one I'm the the film I'm going to be covering next time. Mm. But Raiders and Last Crusade I've seen about the same, and I don't really remember like seeing them for the first time. I just remember like they would be on telly a lot when I was a kid, so I'd watch them yeah. on telly a lot. That was all it was. It would be like I feel like all the time it would be like um oh, we're going to run the Indiana Jones films, like one a week for the next month or whatever, for the next three weeks, and it'd be like Saturday night would be Indiana Jones night on TV and mm. I'd watch them when they came on again. And we never had them on VHS or anything growing up because they were just always on telly. So I've just seen them on telly. Mm. Um, but what are you, Tiss, with Raiders? I think I've... I only can remember The Holy Grail. Right. And... Raiders, is that the one with the boulder that comes down? It starts with the yeah, uh, yeah it starts with it, yeah. I think I, that's like I the opening have... scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most famous, very famous scene. scene. It is like the opening. <laughs> Even people that haven't seen Indiana Jones have seen that. I think I think Raiders is the most quoted. It's also the one most heavily referenced. Even the thing is with Raiders, I feel like there's one of those moments every like 15, 20 minutes. You're like, oh, it's the big boulder scene. Oh, it's the guy getting chopped up by the aeroplane propeller. Oh, it's the staff of Ra. It's the pit full of snakes. It's the like every scene. You're like, oh, this is so famous. I remember. I don't know which. I don't know which series of Family Guy it was. But it, I feel like it was earlier. I feel like it was four or five. They did. Pretty much every episode had like an Indiana Jones oh, reference. Oh, Simpsons used to reference it all Raiders. the time as well. There's that whole there's that episode which starts like the opening with Homer falling, rolling down the stairs. He trips over the oh, stairs yeah. and Bart's like running away from him. Yeah. Well, it has the whole thing with Indy weighing up the bag of sand to switch with the eyes yes. as well. There's so many famous scenes in this film, and obviously the the bit with everyone's face melting is incredibly famous. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's horrific. It's disgusting. It's still disgusting. When it came on the other night, when I watched it, I was laughing. It, it's it's really horrible. It's really it's unnecessary. It's practical effects. They're so good. They're so horrible. Do you remember that bit, Tiss, then, with the when they open the Ark and all the Nazis' faces start melting? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. How can you not remember that? Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it no matter what happens. That's the shocking thing where I'm like surprised this is a PG. It can't still be a PG. I think it is. Nah, I don't think so. You wouldn't watch it with Joel? No. <laughs> no, no. Thing is, I was not. such a little wuss kid as well. I used to get scared in Star Wars when he cut off that guy's arm in the cantina. Oh, really? Yeah, I found that too, Corey. Yeah, I, I kind of wasn't really. I was easily scared with movies when I was a kid. Um, 
The other bit that I totally forgot about was the guy that gets churned up by an airplane propeller. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's really horrible, and it's I so love that like bit. it's such a like slapstick moment. It's a really violent thing to happen. Yeah, and Indy just goes, "Oh, it's almost like a Bond movie where Bond just shrugs off like a really awful thing that's happened, like where the laser goes up his jaffers. Bond with a laser beam goes up his jaffers, like. <laughs> yeah. So it's it is it is a. It's a good movie. I I enjoyed it. I watched it again last night, uh, and yeah, we, I watched it the weekend. Yeah, really. Enjoy, I enjoyed it much more than I remember enjoying it when I was like younger. I enjoyed it this time way more than the last time I did a rewatch. Last time I did a rewatch, I was a bit cranky, and I'm being like, hmm. But it's just fun. It's a good action movie as well. Like I, I'm getting a bit sick of action movies these days. They're too reliant on CGI and it's too... Like, if I'm honest, I'm really falling out of love with, like, superhero movies because it's too... It's too much. There's too much going on. It's too much for me to process all at once and it's all CGI. I quite like mm-hmm. that, actually, you know, these these 80s action movies are quite minimalistic, but you, you enjoy it. When I watched this... When I wa- I've watched this and Temple of Doom already for this series, and watching them again, I'm like flipping heck. They would not do these stunts practically now. They would not do these no. sets practically now. I love seeing the big grand sets they make mm. and how they're pulling off these these stunts and how they're doing these effects. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Just on a filmmaking level, I'm loving watching them pull this stuff off. Yeah, it's really uh, and just even like. Um... When Indy's going after them, and it's like the car scene. It's like a not a car chase, but he catches up with them on the horse, and he gets on the truck. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, it's not it's not like a crazy. It's quite minimal. Not a great deal happens, but it's it's all it's all so close, and it feels it just feels really dramatic. And yeah, I think that's why I get nostalgic and enjoy these films because you don't really get that kind of thing happening in movies these days. So. Tell us about the real world Ark of the Covenant, then, please. Right, so we're going to get going. Uh, so we're going to we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to look at sort of five five things really. First of all, we're going to we're going to look briefly at what it is, uh, and and us kind of within that is the the purpose. Like, what was what was the Ark of the Covenant built for? Like, what was it for? The other thing is, we have to bear in mind that some of our listeners, as mad as this sounds, might not have actually seen the Indiana Jones films. No. So we have to really explain these things from the basis level. And it sounds like Tiss has a very faint memory of these early ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I I think I think know the basic structure of them, but um, yeah. I, every time you guys are talking about scenes, I'm like, yeah, I've seen that scene. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've got the context of like the storyline. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a kid That's and number two, his yeah. Short wife, round. or maybe not his wife. Maybe it was Indy's, someone he'd. Indy has a different woman on every on every film. For yeah. fuck's sake, he's a player. Yeah, yeah, he's in he Jones. Yeah, that sucks. I was I was thinking about this. <laughs> I not think um, last week. <laughs> last I wasn't I was at home working from home last week and last week there was. An episode of um, Big Bang Theory, where they right. um, one of the things that happens is uh, Sheldon's girlfriend is like she basically 
um, pulls out all the flaws in the stuff that he likes, and one of them is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And she's like, yeah, Indiana Jones has no no effect on that movie. Like, if he wasn't in the movie, no, yeah. everything would happen exactly the same. That's true. And um, it, like, completely ruins the movie. He spends the whole episode trying to figure out, like, oh, there must be something he does that that is, you know, pulls the plot forward. And she's like, no, nothing. He doesn't do anything. If he wasn't in the movie... It would be the same. They would still eventually open that arc and melt themselves. Yeah, exactly. At the end, but that's that's his character though. He's like he is like a little bit Han Solo-y. He is yeah. lucky that he yes. doesn't die. He's ha- he's like Indiana Jones with an archaeology degree. He you mean Han Solo succeeds, with an archaeology degree? Yeah, sorry, that's what I mean. Han Solo <laughs> with an archaeology degree. He is well, he is Indiana Jones with an archaeology degree, but he is hapless and lucky more than yeah. anything. Has like gift of a gab. Yeah, they're just they're just good movies. If you haven't seen them, they're worth a watch. Um, quite how you watch it, though, I'm not sure because um, they're not really on any streaming sites, from what I can tell. Yeah, I've just got I have I have them anywhere at home. Um, yeah, just I've just had pirate them for years. Them. Just pirate them. Well, I didn't say I pirated them. I said I had a copy of them. No, no, but I actually have them I'm, on DVD. I'm, I'm advocating for our listeners to go and pirate them. Um, <laughs> right. The tables are turning. <laughs> Uh, right, talking about piracy, let's talk about Christian stuff. Um, can we? Can, can I just say, Tis? Do you know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Um, Go on, give us. Oh, hang on a minute. This is the perfect opportunity for a oh, Tis Bible, Bible story. stories. I've this got a jingle is like for a this. Bible story, isn't it? Yeah, I've it got is. the jingle. Go on, I'm tell us, put it tell in. us what it is in your Bible story narration, Tis. Tis's Bible um, I don't know for sure, so I'm just going to riff off the top and say it was this like artifact, yeah, that proves something. Does it prove something, or is it just an is it just an object, a, a holy object? What it could be pro- so the ark of the it's a chest, Tis. It's a chest. What's in it? Right. Um, is it like? Uh, it's not. That's the Da Vinci Code, isn't it? Where it's proof that Mary was like yeah, someone no. else. Or... No, it's not that. Um, it's n- yeah, I think it's it's the bones of Jesus. Oh, I really thought he was going to get it. Then. No, if bones he... of God. <laughs> it, you're not far off by saying it's the bones of God. You're not far off. God's essence. God's yeah, basically uh, counterpoint on Earth. Is it really? It's like God's like holographic projector. Well, why don't we pause there? Because I've got a. Well, I do have a, I do have a video that sums it up perfectly. Before before we play the video, I just want to say my only knowledge of the Ark of the Covenant comes purely from Indiana Jones. So you might tell me stuff. Well, you will tell me stuff. There's no way that it's 100% accurate. You're going to tell me stuff where I'm going to be like, oh, I just thought it was this because the film told me. But yeah, let's go on. Let's let's watch this thing. The Book of Exodus. In the first video, we explored chapters 1 through 18, which tell the foundational story of how God rescued the enslaved Israelites by confronting and defeating Pharaoh while offering a way of escape through the blood of the Passover lamb. God then delivered his people by bringing them through the waters of the sea and then into the wilderness, where, surprisingly, they grumbled and complained. 
Now, the second half of the book of Exodus opens as Moses leads Israel to the foot of Mount Sinai, where God invites the nation of Israel to enter into a covenant relationship. And here we reach another key moment in the biblical storyline, because this is picking up and developing God's promise to Abraham. So remember, from the book of Genesis, God promised that through Abraham's family, somehow he would restore his blessing to all of the nations. And here we find out more. God says that if Israel obeys the terms of the covenant. They will be so shaped by God's laws and teaching and justice that they will become a kingdom of priests, which means that they will become God's representatives and show all of the other nations what God is truly like. Now, the people of Israel eagerly accept the offer, and so God's presence appears right on the top of Mount Sinai in the form of cloud and lightning and thunder. And Moses goes up as their representative, and God opens with the basic terms of the covenant, the famous Ten Commandments. These are like the basic terms of the agreement, how the Israelites and God are going to relate to each other. And then after this come another collection of commands which fill out the first ten in more detail. There are laws about Israel's worship, about social justice, how they are to live together, all shaping Israel into a nation of justice and generosity that's different from the other nations. So Moses writes down all of these laws and he brings them down to the people who again eagerly agree to enter into this covenant with God. And once they do so, God takes the relationship forward another step. He tells Moses Moses that he wants his holy and divine and good presence to come and dwell right in the midst of Israel, which develops another aspect of God's covenant promises. So remember, after humanity's rebellion in the garden, it was access to God's presence that was lost. But now it's through the family of Abraham that God's presence is becoming once again accessible through this covenant relationship, and first with Israel, and then somehow one day to all nations. So what follows are seven chapters of detailed architectural blueprints about this sacred tent called the tabernacle. There's an outer courtyard with an altar, and then in the center there's a tent that has an outer room and then an inner room. And then inside the inner room, which is called the most holy space, is a golden box called the Ark of the Covenant. And there's angelic creatures over the top of it. It's the hot spot of God's presence. Now there's lots of detail in these chapters, and it's important to know that every piece has some kind of symbolic value. All of the flowers, the angels, the gold and the jewels, it all echoes back to the Garden of Eden, the place where God and humans live together in intimacy. And so the tabernacle is like a portable Eden, so to speak. It's the place where God and Israel can live together in peace, at least in theory, because right here something goes really, really wrong. Israel breaks the covenant. As Moses is up on the mountain receiving the blueprints for the tabernacle, down below at the camp, the Israelites, they're losing patience. And so they ask Moses' brother Aaron to make for them a golden calf idol so they can worship it as the God who saved them out of slavery in Egypt. Now God's presence, it's right there on top of the mountain. They can see it. But here they are below, breaking the first two commands of the covenant they just agreed to. No other gods and no idols. Now what follows is really important. God knows what's happening down below. And so he first invites Moses into his own anger and pain. And he tells Moses what he wants to do, just to wipe Israel out. But Moses intercedes by appealing to God's character. He says, first of all, destroying Israel would be going back on your covenant promises to Abraham. And then Moses appeals to God's reputation among the nations. What would they think if they see you destroying your own people? 
And so God accepts Moses' intercession, and he relents. And while he does bring his judgment on those who instigated the idolatry, he forgives the nation as a whole and promises to renew his covenant. And it's right here at this point in the story that God, for the first time, describes his own character to Moses. He says, the Lord is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, abounding in covenant faithfulness. He forgives sin, but he will not leave the wicked unpunished. So we have this tension. God is full of mercy, but also he must deal with evil if he claims to be good. And above all, God is faithful to his promises, even though it means he knows he's committing himself to a people who are utterly faithless. And so after renewing the covenant with Israel, God commissions Moses to go ahead and build the tabernacle. And once again, we get five long chapters describing in detail the construction of the tabernacle. And it all comes together in the final chapter where the tabernacle's finished. God's glorious divine presence comes and hovers over the tent and our hopes are high. And so Moses, he goes right up to enter into the tent and he can't. He actually can't go in and that's how the book ends. So that's interesting because in the film, all they say is it was the chest used to carry the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So that was my knowledge of it. I didn't realize it had all this extra history behind it. To be honest, when I was a kid, when I watched it, I didn't even realize it was a real thing. I thought they just made it up for the film. Yeah. Dr. Jones, now you must understand that this is all strictly confidential. Eh? I understand. Uh, <clears throat> Yesterday afternoon, our European sections intercepted a, a German communique that was sent from Cairo to Berlin. Now, you see, over the last two now, years, the Nazis have had teams of archaeologists running around the world looking for all kinds of religious artifacts. Hitler's a nut on the subject. He's crazy. He's obsessed with the occult. And right now, apparently, there's some kind of German archaeological dig going on in the desert outside of Cairo. Now, we've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Tannis development proceeding. A choir headpiece, staff of Ra, Abner Ravenwood, U.S. Nazis have discovered Tannis. Just what does that mean to you, uh, Tannis? Well, well, the city of Tannis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you ten mean commandments? The... You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Harab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing. Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? Well, I... Oh, look. The Hebrews took the broken pieces and put them in the Ark, and when they settled in Canaan, they put the Ark in a place called the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, where it stayed for many years until all of a sudden, whoosh, is gone. Where? Well, nobody knows where or when. However, an Egyptian pharaoh... Shishan. Yes, invaded the city of Jerusalem around about 980 B.C., and he may have taken the Ark back to the city of Tanis and hidden it in a secret chamber called the Well of Souls. Secret chamber? However, about a year after the pharaoh had returned to Egypt, the city of Tanis was consumed by the desert in a sandstorm which lasted a whole year, wiped clean by the wrath of God. Yeah, I mean, so essentially, it, and in Exodus it does explain that it was, it was basically used to contain God's presence, but it was also to contain the covenant. Uh, so, so it is... It is said that um, the Ten Commandments were in there 
as almost like a sign of the promise that God had made to Israel. So that is what it that is what it was, but it was that it was kind of within the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was supposed to be. I quite like the way the video explains. It was almost like a portable Eden. Um, it's kind of like recreating what humanity had with God in the Garden of Eden. Can I ask a question? Yeah. In that video, yeah. And for listeners, there was there was some small animations running while that video was on, and um, and the link will be in the show notes if you want to watch it. But when he drew the Ark of the Covenant, mm. it looked like it did in the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Is that because of the Indiana Jones movie, or do people actually know what it looked like, and that's what it did look like? Yeah, if you read Exodus, it does, and and I was gonna, I was looking at it earlier. I was like, I can't read it; it's too long. It, it like like the video <laughs> says, it's it's seven chapters of really really detailed description of what it looks like. Um, so I, I um, this is really interesting actually. So the prop department used used the Bible to oh. get to get the detail to get it all right, and then it it apparently. So they made two of them, and one of them is like locked away, like ironically locked away, and you can't, you know, is obviously away for movie purposes in some. In case anyone opens it and unleashes exactly you the don't fury wanna, of God, you don't want to open it. Um, the other one just belonged to someone, like someone just bought it after the movie, and it was on the Antiques Roadshow a few weeks ago. Oh wow! Like someone came and was like, "Oh, I've got this old movie prop." My friends have been telling me it's definitely the Indiana Jones, you know, one, the one from the movie, but I'm not so sure. And, and like the guy there, and he's like, "Yeah, this they is." They actually it. had it on Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. What would you so, What would you keep in it? You You had that prop, and I'm guessing it opens because they open it in the film. What do you keep in it if you got that in your house? I don't know. Would Would I do something cheesy and put my Bible in it or something like oh, that? Oh, awful tis. What What are you putting in it? It's at the foot of your bed. Um, I wouldn't want to know what this would put in it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, I kind of love the idea of that being used for storing sex toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because then if any guest is nosy enough to open it, their face is going to melt like the Nazis at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they see your box of tricks. This is sex toy chest. Nazis melt for sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> No, what what would you put in it, Tess? Um He just told us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lots of sex toys. Uh fuck knows. Uh what do I have in my bedroom? Socks. Socks and pants. Oh, socks and pants is a very <laughs> good yeah, answer, actually. Or dirty washing. <laughs> <laughs> Skidders. <laughs> 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 just cap that one off oh, one word that's the start of the episode yeah <laughs> oh my days yeah it is skidders skidders um, brilliant so that's brilliant I like I like that they, they, they did their research on design and didn't just think well it's a combo I guess of what's going to look cool for the film And but it has they want it to feel like a real old artefact in the film that he's going to go hunting after yeah so in the film they said that the when they're talking to about it at the beginning of the film, they say, you know, it's the chest used to carry the Ten Commandments, which were broken into pieces and taken to, I can't remember the name of the temple, Temple in Jerusalem. Um, they mentioned the Well of Souls. I mean, is all that gump for the film or is there a basis in that? 
No, that's that's the film. That's just like yeah, film okay. gump. So Well of Souls is not real, no? No, the Well of Souls isn't isn't something that's real. And the Staff of Ra? Um I think the Staff of Ra is based on Ooh. um Aaron's rod. Okay. Um and something else that's in Tiss's box. Yeah. I knew you were gonna make a dirty <laughs> joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a euphemism. <laughs> um Who's Aaron? <laughs> Aaron was Moses' brother. Oh right. <laughs> Go on, Tiss, so your Bible stories out. <laughs> what is what was that what was that little noise for? Like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Moses brother's rod go on <laughs> no um, but also Moses Moses had like a Moses had a staff he had like a, <laughs> I bet you did I can't say there's right, no word on. there's no word that I can say that won't Why, become a, a euphemism no there isn't because um, I was going to say rod and that's exactly the same yeah exactly stick yeah, rod staff stick he had a stick um, and so Moses, so the staff that Moses had was what he used to um, split the Red Sea. And um, oh right, okay. He tapped it on a rock to get water to come out for for the Israelites to drink. So I think that's what they based the staff of Ra on, because the staff of Ra was just like I think that was just something. Yeah, they added to the film, but it's probably based on well, it's, because they're in Cairo, aren't they, in the film? Yeah. When they go for the temple. And Ra, isn't that an Egyptian thing, Ra? Dunno, Rachel, is is Ra an Egyptian thing? Yeah, Ra is the sun god. Ra is the sun god. Hence Yes, the... that's what I thought. Ah, okay, okay. Which I'm like which I always found weird because it's like an Egyptian god and then a Christian box. It's a bit of a weird mixing of things, but I just go with it because it's a fun film. Oh, hang on, Rachel's saying something. Say it again, sorry. The pharaohs become Ra. The pharaohs become Ra. Apparently, Ra was the most important sun god. Is that right? Mm-hmm. There the we go. Right. I was right. You were right. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if the movie... like, I don't know if they, when they were making it, they were like, oh, well, you know, because it was... So Moses the Ten Commandments... Egyptian. Huh? Moses was because Moses was Egyptian. Um, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, okay. It all makes sense. Um, yeah. But I think the... So Aaron's rod haha, was supposed to, was also supposed to have been kept in the Ark of the Covenant as well um, as the Ten Commandments, apparently. Right. So I don't know if that's just a coincidence or that was just like a cool um, indie, you know, like plot yeah, point for them I, to have. And I think they're just digging... And different elements to squish them together and be like, well, this would be cool, this would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But I, I do, you know, so full credit to the movie makers, you know, did they, they did their homework. And, you know, when you watch the movie, they it's clearly, you know, they've clearly tried to make it look as close as possible. Um, I, it looks as well, from what I can make out, it looks as if they even got, like, the measurements right and everything. Like they, mm. because you can you can translate the measurements. So I think it was in cubits. It's described in cubits in Exodus, but never use cubits can, anymore, do we? No, you can change bloody it to, metric system. <laughs> <laughs> you can change it to um to yeah to like feet and inches, I guess. I don't know, but yeah. So that's that's what it was. Uh, I mean, we can see what it looks like. 
It was a ma- it was made from acacia wood, um, but you know, covered in gold. Um, mm. You know, the angels over the edge. So there's just two more things that I was that I thought would be important to look at, um, because in the movie, at the very beginning, uh, when the like government agents come in and talk to Indy about the covenant. Yeah, that's when they say that stuff that I wrote. I said about you know uh, when they said, "Oh, carry, carry the Ten Commandments." They broke it into pieces. Blah blah blah. Well, yeah. souls, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. He Indy mentions, "You're our man. Go and get it." That's it. Uh, that scene, Indy. Well, I think this is that that scene. Indy mentions that, like it's obviously it's dangerous. You can't open it. You can't if you touch it in the wrong place. You know, God's God gets angry. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that what they told you at Sunday school? I just think that out of context. <laughs> if you so touch quick. it in the wrong place, God gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically what they say. Yeah, as above, so below, eh? That's literally what they say. <laughs> but out of context, that's going at the start of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is honestly oh, what they say. God. Um. And that oh, lightning, God. lightning comes out, and all the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> Filth. Oh my God! Are we talking about the covenant still? <laughs> Mate, you, you, you need, you need to sort your social life out here. It's. <laughs> I need to sort my brain out. Hey. Yeah, in the fucking gutter. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is so uh, going back to I know we talk about it now, but this the, when the, the agents are talking to Indy and saying go get this box, yeah, and he they're like you know like I said it had the covenant the commandments in it. At no point do they say or if I'm if maybe I'm remembering wrong, I didn't realize that. But I thought it was just a box with some old bits of stone in it. I wasn't thinking the presence of gods in there. Yeah, and I I thought that was like a surprise to me when they open it at the end. Because it's like, oh shit! And they even say like it's like a transmitter. They quote here. They say it's a transmitter. It's a radio for talking to God. Oh well, you must have pulled that quote straight out of the film. Yeah, that that quote. I like that quote. Yeah, um, it's a transmitter, a radio for talking to God. That's what that's what he says later on in the film about it. Yeah, which is when they start introducing. It's not just these stones. There's something like you know spiritual or supernatural inside this too. Yeah, so the um so the tabernacle is what is what kind of contains God's presence. The the ark is as they as the Israelites move around, they they kinda of carry the ark on the shoulders like they do in the film. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, so you know, we talked about the Nazis' faces melting and, you know, what happens when you open it and all the uh, yeah, so in that I think at the beginning Indy says that like lightning you know, destroys people and, you know, whatever. I think they that's they would have got that from um so that's the, that was the question I wanted to answer. Like did it did the arc actually ever hurt anyone? Because, you know, was that a movie thing? Or is that is that a real thing? Is that <laughs> shanked someone <laughs> <laughs> Um And there is one story uh Ooh. from Is it in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. Alright. From two from two Samuel Oh, and also in one Chronicles, uh, and it's a guy called Uzar. 
who is right. a Levite, and he's they're move basically they're moving the ark from one place to the next, and they they kind of don't get their balance right, and start to tip the ark. The ark is basically falling off of the. Oh, um, they like smack it on the stairs on the way down or something. Well, so this 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 guy Uzar puts his hand on the ark to try and keep it up, right? Um, and he dies. Whoa. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite a crazy it's quite a crazy story. I imagine it's quite heavy though. Yeah, I I think so. And that's it's like trying to move a sofa. <laughs> I guess so. It's a, bit, it's a bit like having a sofa on your shoulders, I suppose. I don't know how heavy yeah. something like that would be. It looks heavy. But he yeah he basically died on the spot, and it looks it looks well, as just if from it's, touching it. Yeah, it's it's described as it being you know God's anger at him at him. You know they he's they've been told not to touch it. And they did disobeyed. And he did disobeyed but it. But I think my question there is, would God rather he drop it on the floor? Well, that was my question. But this is Old Testament, isn't it? This is angry God. <laughs> this is Old Testament angry God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's a good question to ask. It seems like a drastic thing to happen, doesn't it? I like it. For something, you know, he's just trying. He must have. He must have been pretty upset. Well, he he was dead. He didn't know. But basically, I like it. I like these stories where it's like old angry God. Like, <laughs> oh, I told you not to touch it. You're fucking dead. That's it. <laughs> Feed him to the pigs, Errol. You've you've Would made. Would you old... rather I dropped it? I didn't say drop it, and I didn't say touch it. Like whatever you've done, you're fucked. <laughs> I love that you've you've made Old Testament God sound like an East London gangster from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. He's basically, I was about to say, I don't know why he's turned into <laughs> brick. <laughs> he's basically turned into brick top. <laughs> uh, you should cut down your pork life, mate. Get some exercise. If you touch it, I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> <laughs> Touch it and you're fucking for it, bruv. If you touch it, I'm going to feed you to the fucking pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I only saw that, that film again about a week ago. It was on TV. And right. uh, yeah, it was just such a ridiculous film. But Bricktop is such a ridiculous character. Now I'm never going to be able to read the Old Testament without <laughs> thinking about God being Bricktop. Good. Brilliant. Um, I don't even like that film very much. It's just in my head. Um, yeah. Uh, I can't actually remember what I was going to ask. I've been completely derailed. All right. So yeah. So God just the guy touched it, and the God said, "Look, I told you, don't touch it." And it was done. Yeah. It's it it's that was the law. That was one of the laws they they'd had given to them. Was basically that was that was part and parcel of the covenant. They weren't supposed to touch it. It's if you touch it, you're a slag. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we'll we'll move on from that because it's getting very silly, and now I can't <laughs> stop thinking about God as bricktop. But the 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 idea is that God's presence was supposed to be such a to the point where it was almost like a burden, like it was so beyond what humans could comprehend. Which is why, mm. so at the at the end of the video, it talks about Moses just not being able to enter the tabernacle. That it's you know I don't know it, it's just you just can't you can't comprehend it. Your your human your physical human body just can't you cannot even fathom um you know god's presence his holiness it's um it's 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 all to do with that so i'd imagine that's that's obviously that's obviously where they've got it from in in raiders but there aren't there aren't too many other examples it's not like god went about massacring people and making a 
a habit of you know because essentially they were told that that was that was the consequence and so they just didn't do it right and after that bloke accidentally died from doing it i thought i'm not gonna risk it did you happen to him yeah and moses was like right we've been told guys so let's make sure we're careful make sure we deal with this properly he's told us once he's told us twice i'm, I'm paraphrasing obviously uh yeah that's that's just, that's basically it so where do where can you get the blueprint for the tabernacle does that still exist as in like what to find out what if you wanted to make like a model for school or something no no i want to make a new covenant so god will move into my one because i would make a better one and then he'd be in my one and then we'll be just chilling. Better than gold. Well, my um, shed at the back, it's reinforced concrete <laughs> top. It's like four <laughs> inches thick brick walls. Um, right. I fixed the window up. I've got all the spiders out of there. But I just think, <laughs> could he move if you made a tabernacle, another tabernacle? Well, is he still in there? No, you can't. Is there, well, he's, he's not trapped in there. It's not like a prison. It's not like a genie in the lamp. But, um, yeah, it's like a little <laughs> porthole, isn't it? He just pops his head out every now and then. He's got, there's like a little, it's like a little, in the video he called it a hot spot for God's presence, like it, a yeah. concentration yeah. of it. So it's, are we thinking this thing is still out there? Can he be in every tabernacle at once or is there just one tabernacle? Yeah, because God is omnipresent. Yeah. So yeah. he's, so he's that, everywhere all at the same time. He hasn't so, got to relocate. So my shed out the back could have, could house like a big concentration of God. I think you need to become more holy to achieve that. I'm holy as fuck. Not based on them stories you were telling us before we recorded. No, I know. <laughs> That's pretty holy. I like the mythology that we're creating around this. God, God's great. Man. Yeah, how many emails are we going to get now? Like, oh, you need to tell us what this was getting up to. No. <laughs> I didn't want to know, so they're not going to know. No. no. I'm, I'm going to need to psych myself up to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer to your question Tis, is uh it it wouldn't be necessary uh, we don't we don't so christians today don't live under the law of the old testament i'm sure so, i'm sure some do because jesus you know so if we look to the new testament jesus came and fulfilled the law and and you know became you know the sacrifice that because you know so you guys know they would often make sacrifices to atone for sins and things like that right i think we've talked about that a little bit on the pod over the years but so because so and so you can't contain god's presence it's not like something that can be contained to one spot that that feels quite like heretical to say like we're going to try and contain god's presence that doesn't seem very re- religious to me yeah it's almost it's almost as if the the tabernacle was was like God was like well I was you know since you guys screwed up right in the Garden of Eden let's right, right, let's try right. and let's try and you know let's try and have something almost like a midway point like let's let's I still want you know we I still want to be with you I still want to you know we're gonna try and rebuild we'll start seeing each other every other weekend <laughs> 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 yeah just test the waters a little bit. <laughs> It's like a it's like a portable church, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess so, yeah. I suppose in in modern terms it's you know, essentially what they were doing was Yeah, you would go to the church. Was building the church, yeah. That's that's Yeah. And you would say a holy person would say surely that a, a church itself would contain the presence of God. It's why you would go there to commune and worship and, and all yeah. that stuff. So Yeah. In a way 
you could you could go down your shed tis and and make a new ark but it would be a bit fruitless i've got an uncle who built um a church at the bottom of his garden he was on the on the telly for it really <laughs> it's it's the well i don't know if it's like the smallest church in the country or something the smallest chapel it's something i don't know i, I missed it when it was on telly oh, um, right, i'll see okay. if i can dig it out for <laughs> yeah that's, that's bizarre you've never told me that before i know i can't believe i never told you that why um what? anyway okay what, what did he make the i mean he is, for? he is a vicar to be fair oh okay what your uncle yeah, I've got an uncle that's a vicar. You've got an <laughs> uncle who's a vicar? I never knew that. It's <laughs> <laughs> my mum's it's my mum's side of the family, I never talk about them. Oh, okay. Is that because they build churches in their garden? Anyway, yeah. I'll look up I'll find your video and I'm yeah, sure please it's on do. YouTube somewhere. Please do. When you think of a cathedral, you may not have a garden shed in mind. The Priory Chapel and Cathedral Church of Our Lady Bewley is hidden in a Portsmouth back garden. It was brought to life by Father Julian Kent. Well, when we moved here, um, this is our sixth year here, uh, it had been a laundry. Nobody actually uses these um, sheds for anything other than what they're not meant for. And um, one of the remits when I was looking for this house is that it had a space large enough to be a chapel. I spent many nights down there and I worked on it solidly until I had finished. We are an independent Catholic denomination, the Ecumenical Catholic Church UK, and actually our parish priest was elected um, uh, bishop uh, last year, and so he needed somewhere to park his throne. And and that is what defines a cathedral. Uh, the presence, not the size of the building, but the presence of a bishop's throne, which is actually called a cathedra. Although he can't be entirely sure, Father Julian says that this might be the world's smallest fully functioning cathedral, and many of the items in here were found in charity shops or in flea markets. I found when I was browsing through a flea market in France once a nice statue of St Bernard. Um, so I then set about looking for a similar statue of St Benedict, because they're mounted either side of the altar. St Benedict is not of the same quality, but it's similar enough to, to, to be a match. Um, I have uh, I found a, a, a statue of St James, a beautifully hand-carved wooden statue and hand-painted of St James um, in a Salvation Army shop. Father Julian is especially proud of the newly built part of the chapel that he made. He calls it the organ chamber, but it's also the colours of the place that stand out. I think the overall effect when you go through it is, is one of a burst of colour um, that, uh, that certainly our medieval churches would have been before they were all whitewashed. Now, I don't have frescoes on the wall, but I do have a lot of colour, and that's, what I, that's the effect I wanted to achieve. The unique place has now been nominated for an award as Shed of the Year. A member of my congregation uh, wrote to Shed of the Year and suggested that, um, uh, that, that he said that Father Julian's uh, Shed should be win Shed of the Year because he has turned it into the world's smallest cathedral. Now, I don't know if that is true, as I said, but... Um, uh, it certainly must be up there amongst the smallest. So th th they got in, con in touch with me and the next thing I knew, uh, 
there were f film crew all over the garden and in the chapel and uh, interviewing me for Shed of the Year. And um, so it's all very exciting and all very, uh, happened very quickly. And it's just, it's been fun to enter it. I don't really mind if I don't win it. <laughs> but it would be, you know, I do encourage my friends to vote. So I must be slightly uh, interested. <laughs> Visiting maybe the smallest cathedral in the world is only possible by invitation, which can be received by Facebook. Nicole Ries, for That's TV. Okay, so the final thing to, that, that I thought would be good to look at... Um, which is pretty much the whole point of Raiders is where is it? Where is the Ark? Um, right. You know, it's it is it is it is a mystery. It's in the Well of Souls. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. If they watch the movie, they'll know exactly where it is. Um, well, they won't now because it's in a warehouse being looked after by top men, isn't it? Top. Top men. Men. Where is the Ark? I thought we'd settled that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. <laughs> it's in the warehouse for top men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aisle, aisle 19. It's like when you go to Ikea. Aisle 19. It's in the warehouse outlet for Top Man. <laughs> Location 34. <laughs> Shelf 12. At the back. It's at the back. Um, Do they have Top Man in America? Is that a joke that's beyond anything? There's a high street and there's a men's clothes shop called Top Man in the UK. Anyway. Yeah, that's, top, that's Top Man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did say it was good. It's tenuous. <laughs> Top. It's being looked after by Top Man. It's being Who? kept in Top Man. Top oh. Man. Well, <laughs> is it? Is it still a thing? I thought they closed all their shops. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's one here. No, we've we have one in Ellsbury. I don't know if it's still around. Ellsbury's not really a Top Man sort of place. This is what I keep saying to Rachel. Like these, they keep making these silly shops in Ellsbury, and they just need a Primark. In Ellsbury. We don't need... We don't need... I can't mean... You eight, have, eight. Can't you have variety? No, I don't think so. The top man's just <laughs> no. not... No! <laughs> top man... I don't know. I don't think it's very popular in Ellsbury. I think Primark would be much more popular. Having said that, I don't... I don't really like Primark either, so... <laughs> Sorry, where did you say it was? Top man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> it just finishes with someone pushing it on a trolley into the shop. It's so stupid. Oh man! In between all the racks of like jeans and boxer shorts, it's the upper yeah. covering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's also it's quite a, it's quite a it's quite an anticlimactic end to the to the whole film, isn't it? That that it's just a. I think it's just a point of like, you know, this is just one artifact and actually there's, just in amongst slipped. thousands, there's thousands of them, we keep them all somewhere. Yeah. Isn't isn't that warehouse, I might be wrong, it's been a long time since I watched number four. I know that the number four opens with a scene at the warehouse, you go to the warehouse at number four. And I swear I might be wrong, I think, I thought 
my memory of it is that there was an Area 51. That's what the warehouse was. It was Area 51. Oh, really? But I might have just completely mixed up in my head. I'm going to rewatch number four soon for preparation. So, and I'll, so, I'll remember. So where is it? Beef's going to tell us where the arc, where the arc is. It's not in top man. Lots of lots of speculation about where it is. Apparently, so one of the one of the uh, kind of first claims is that uh, basically it's it's it can be found in Ethiopia, um, where it was it was moved. It's been moved. It seems to have been moved around so much. According to who? Uh, according to the Bible, it was moved around oh. a lot. So they, it was. That <laughs> <laughs> shut me up. That shut me up, didn't it? <laughs> Why is that so funny? <laughs> Roasted, Bob. <laughs> is that according to beef? According to the Bible? No, just <laughs> sorry. Who are your sources on this? It's the Word of God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Bible. Um, uh, just God, mate. So, the, well, because top secrets. <laughs> basically, the the point the point of the Ark was that it could be. It could be moved around, so that was the, yeah. the that was the whole point was that God's presence wasn't contained to one pace. They should have put some wheels on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They had. Yeah, they should have put I two wheels know. on the bottom so you could drag it like one of them suitcases. <laughs> they should have just put it in a suitcase. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't they think of that? And that, yeah, basically, it was just can, always on the move. Uh, another claim is that it was hidden in some passages underneath the first temple. In Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and that the Babylonians came in and destroyed it in 586 BC. But um, but yeah, you obviously you can't you can't um, you can't test that you can't test that at no. all. So what does the Bible say? It's a long way from Egypt, isn't it? It is. Yeah. On foot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it it looks like if you look at two book of two Chronicles in the Old Testament. It looks, and this is the last time the Ark is mentioned, as far as I can tell, is that it seems to have been buried underneath the Temple of King Solomon. Right. So, but it, but then it was essentially destroyed. That's in Jerusalem, isn't it? When Jerusalem was when when Jerusalem was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. They mention that in the film, the Temple of Solomon. Yes. He says, uh, broken into pieces. And taken to the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. So they're going by that logic in the film, and then they say, later move to the Well of Souls or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So so they're going on that it was at the Temple of Solomon. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so again, so they've, they've obviously done a bit of homework there, um, but it's that's the last time it's mentioned in the Bible, and, and eventually then destroyed by uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. When Jerusalem, Jerusalem was like completely flattened, and that that would have just been a part of that. So it looks as if it wasn't relocated in 1936. But I, I, I like that. I like that the movie doesn't like it. It, it obviously it's a film, so it makes up some gumph. Uh, but then other parts of it, it's it's pulled straight from the story anyway. So yeah, it does what it can to like tie it into you know credible, credible writings. Yeah, yeah, just to stop the Christians from being at that upset, I suppose. One thing I was going to ask: Do you know if the Nazis ever actually went looking for it? Um, that I don't know. I didn't even. It strangely didn't even cross my mind to even think about it. No, I just thought of it now. I was like, "What's yeah. the other big thing about uh, Raiders?" Oh, it's full of Nazis. Because I know um, I was actually talking about it with Rick on 
the episode we just recorded that will be up before this. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about how the Nazis went looking for stuff. The like Hitler yeah. was very interested in the occult. He was very interested. He was very spiritual, interested in spirituality, and he had like secret divisions who would go looking for. This, mm. that, and the other. So it's totally feasible that he might have said, yeah. go look for the Ark of the Covenant, I want the power no, the of God. Ar- the Nazis did love an artefact. Yeah. Good God. Yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Uh, now what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. To understand Hitler's interest in this. Oh, yes. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. Rachel. Hello. Did the Nazis ever look for the Ark of, Ark of the Covenant, like in Raiders? Uh, not that I know of, but they did... They did steal things from countries. Yeah. But they also Hitler dest- wanted as much power as possible. But they also destroyed a lot of stuff that didn't yeah. mix. So I'm not sure that they... I never cool. knew that. I never knew Hitler wanted power. He always seemed so placid. He <laughs> <laughs> was a vegan, wasn't he? <laughs> Vegetarian, mate. Oh, All right. Not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Ideologically, why would they want oh. a Jewish... Huh? <laughs> Why would they want a Jewish artifact? Yeah, that's a good point. But I don't know if that's. No, no, no. That's a good point. Rachel's just drawn my attention to to something which also is also mentioned in the movie. Oh right. So basically, the answer is she doesn't really know that the Nazis looked for so much. But more they could have. It would it is it is something that you could imagine they would have done though. I swear, I swear that Hitler sent them looking for Bigfoot for fuck's sake at one point. Probably. Can you imagine being the, the Sasquatch Nazi crew? Yeah. I mean, part of you would be like, really? well, at least we're out of Germany at the moment. At least, But also, this is a fool's errand, isn't it? Is he going to chop my head off when I don't come back with a giant ape? Exactly. Exactly. But then a part of me, I suppose there might have been someone saying, well, at least we're not murdering Jews. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every cloud. Rachel, Rachel just made a good point. She said, why would Hitler be interested in a Jewish artefact? Oh, that is a good Which point. Which is, they say that in the movie. Like, I can't remember where, I'm sure at some point. Yeah, they do, there is something that's said about that. I think actually one of the Nazis says it, like... Yeah, he does. Hitler, Hitler's interested in anything that will give him more power, though. Yeah, but would would Hitler want something, even if it was Jewish, but it was still going to give him power? He might see it as taking their power from them. Yeah, he doesn't see it as, like, they're not telling the truth. He just sees, he just hates them. He wants... If they have got like this artifact, definitely he wants that to destroy it or wield it. He might have, yeah, I was gonna say he might destroy it like in front of them. Oh yeah, that's like, that's another option. I don't know, like a bully at school treading on someone's artwork. I'm destroying your god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasty, nasty Nazis. He was a, he was a bad bugger. It was, yeah, but I'm sure. I'm sure they say that. Yeah, it is. It is the Nazi, like the main guy in. It's in when the film. they. It's when they pull up with it from the submarine. That's it. When Hitler, when Hitler, <laughs> when Indy, it's called Indy. <laughs> <laughs> when Hitler says we're on the submarine. 
when hit when hit Leanna Jones, yeah, yeah, when hit Leanna Jones stays on the submarine. When he gets off, that's when they're moving the ark. Then one of the Nazis says it. Then he says like, you know, he says about it being a Jewish artifact. Yeah, why are you bringing that on here? You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they would stand to gain from it. I suppose would they realistically? They probably sit there and think. God's probably not on our side, actually. I don't think the Jewish God is going to be too happy, and I don't think he's going to give us much more power than we've already got. Do they not think... Yeah, but the, the Nazis are so egomani, egomania, me, uh, egomaniacal. There we go, I got the word out. Yeah. They probably thought, no, God knows we're, we're doing the right thing here. Maybe they did. I suppose so. I suppose you'd have to... You'd have to lie to yourself, wouldn't you? Tell yourself when you've, you're doing got, when the right you've thing. gone as far as they have, you have to convince yourself you're doing the right thing. I think otherwise you're yeah, going insane. Yeah, they've committed. If there's one word you can apply to that is commitment. They have totally yeah. committed to that. You can't. There's no going back. Yeah, and they totally committed many fucking crimes as well. You may like you may as well. There's no going back. Yeah. You know what a rotten time. Anyway, so essentially, it looks like. Most archaeologists, most biblical scholars would would conclude that it's like it would it would never be found anyway. But it looks as if it was just destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And if it was moved around so much, like where would you even begin? Um, it's, if it's anywhere, it's if it hasn't if it hasn't been destroyed. Yeah. One, if you believe it's real. Two, if it hasn't been destroyed. Three. It's then it's probably just buried under the ground somewhere, and likelihood of ever in Jerusalem. finding it is impossible. Yeah, like maybe in Jerusalem, maybe still in Egypt, maybe I don't know where one of the places you said Ethiopia or whatever. It could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. So you either waste your time trying to find it, or you go by the biblical account, which tells you it looks like it was destroyed. So mm-hmm. right, I'd do that one, um, which is a bit anticlimactic, but. Is probably also not in a warehouse somewhere in a box. Oh no, no. I don't know. It might be. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't think it is, but no, I don't think so. Um, but that take that takes me full circle. That takes me right through all the information that I wanted to uh, draw on, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about it. Yeah, good fun. But that's the Ark of the Covenant, not to be confused with Noah's Ark. No, that was always confused me because when I hear biblical artifact and ark, I think boat. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not the boat. No, I was when I when I was younger, I was always like, why are they calling this box an ark? I was it was confusing to young me. Well, that's true. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know what the word ark means though. It's not. It just must be an old. It just must be an old word, like a meaning of that word that isn't used anymore. It just always sounded yeah. weird to me. We're gonna get an email. We're gonna get some listener oh, coming in with some details. S- there, we we say nonsense all the time on this show. Yeah, most of the time is nonsense. Yeah, you know we're, we've done over 180 episodes of this. If they're still gonna nitpick the nonsense that we say, People it's, are still it's way too now. late. That ship has sailed. That ark has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's the that's the ark of the covenant. Did that kind of cover all the questions that you guys had? That was great. I loved it. Good. Mm. Glad to hear it. Tiss I, is still munching liked, on something. Uh, Tiss is munching. I liked. Um, I liked actually you uncovering how much care it actually did seem to take with the film in terms of the depiction, in terms of mentioning you know the Temple of Solomon, all this stuff. Yeah, you know it's a big fun adventure film. They didn't have to sort of 
tie all that stuff in. But no, I guess it's not. It's better for it. It's richer for it. Is Spielberg Jewish? Yes. Well, and that I suppose. And actually, his cartoony depiction of Nazis in this film and and the other indie films that uh, Last Crusade is the other one the Nazis in, isn't it? So the sort of cartooniness. He said he kind of regretted in a way. He said he felt. I'm paraphrasing this. This is something I read fucking years ago. But he kind of regretted how he kind of made Nazis into sort of jokey villains a little bit right. in the in the 80s with um, some of like portraying them as he did, and which is what led him to eventually do Schindler's List to, oh, oh I actually want people to understand that these people are fucking really scary psychopaths, actually, and I want to not do cartoonish Nazis anymore. I want to do a really heavy real portrayal of what Nazis were like at that time. Um, and that was kind of, yeah, what led to Schindler's List, which, great film. Hmm. That's interesting. I did not know that. That's interesting. And very different from Indiana Jones. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's a very different film, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realise that at all. Yeah. I just It suddenly came to me. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Like I say, I'm paraphrasing that. I just remember him saying something like that. Yeah. But no, they did. They did do their homework with it. Is they didn't, you know. Obviously, some of it is just artistic license, but it adds a lot of credibility to the fact that it's about an archaeologist and it has real sort of world artifacts and knowledge and things like that because it makes yeah. it more believable. It makes it seem like Indy knows his stuff a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know you're going to reference this later, but the the video, by the way, if you go on YouTube, type in Bible Project. Um, I've I've used one of one or two of their videos in my episodes before, but they they're great, really great guys. The animation I, I find the animation really helpful when you're listening to it, and it just kind of helps paint the picture of um, lots of you know goes. I think they've done one for every book of the Bible, but they've done them for different themes, different characters. So yeah, you can you can find that. That's Exodus, the second part of Exodus on Bible Projects and YouTube. Well, I'll put a link to that particular video in the show notes, but yeah, there's plenty more on their channel. Amazing. There we go. Right, thank, thanks, Beefy. Thanks, Beef. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for listening. It sounded like I was going to say something else after. It's like, thanks, Beef. <laughs> yeah, really, it was like I edited you, like I cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so next time I'm going to be talking about um, well I kind of I feel like I've got the hardest one because mine's a little bit more wishy-washy it's not a particular artifact it's a bit more based on bits and bobs it's not one particular thing so I'm going to be talking about the Shankara stones um, Mm. from the Temple of Doom so I ended up with this we sort of all claimed our ones right at the beginning Tiss jumped straight on Holy Grail because uh, some fondest <laughs> memories of Last Last Crusade. Beef went for Ark of the Covenant, which was the biblical uh, connection. And then that left me with Temple of Doom. So I've got the difficult one. And um, and obviously we are going to be tackling Crystal Skulls right at the end. Yeah, Rick Rick's probably got the hardest one of all. He said only because he's got to rewatch Crystal Skull. Yeah. Did we go and see that together? I feel like me and you went to see that. No, oh. I saw it. You, unbelievably, I saw it at the cinema with my ex-girlfriend. But do you know who was sat in front of us in the cinema? No. Chris O'Dowd from the IT crowd. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is he well Is he well O'Dowd? <laughs> oh, my oh, days. Oh, God. 
Get your mind out of the gutter, you're filthy. I don't filthy. know. We were watching what Indiana Jones. Like, like, like we're friends. Yeah, we were just watching Indiana Jones together, man. <laughs> oh, okay. What were you... What, in Milton Keynes? Or... I didn't say anything to him. I just... No, no. I was in Weymouth of all places. Oh, right. Yeah, what are you going to say to him? Like, if you bump into him in the street, you could maybe say something, but in a cinema... You should have nudged. You should have nudged him and said, "Oi, have they tried turning it off and on again?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure it was him during the film. I was like, "Oh, I think that's." I don't know. And then afterwards, I heard him talking—a very distinct voice, obviously. I heard yeah. him talking in the hallway, and I was like, "Oh, it was him." But I didn't say anything. Hmm, interesting. He was talking about the fridge scene. About you know, I think we've all learned something. You could survive a. I mean, that's what I remember him saying. I think we've all learned something. You can survive. Um, a nuclear bomb by hiding in a fridge. That scene. Um, so maybe Rick yeah. will tell us if you really can do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't keep us waiting, Rick. Please tell us the answer. <laughs> I hope he hears this before he won't, because these are all being put on the on the back shelf. These are all in advance. I don't think he's going to hear it for a record of him. Right, anyway, so thanks, Beef. Listeners, if you want to moan at us about things we got wrong or get in contact or say you actually like this show or anything, it's wtatupod at gmail.com or go to our website, weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com where you can contact directly through there. You can find links to buy merchandise. You can find links to donate monetarily. Um, I'm the only one still on <laughs> Twitter. I'm holding the fort there. Um, these guys... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns out first so i have to stay there to make sure we have some sort of presence but you can find me there and talk to me directly on twitter at bob shoy that's at b-o-b-s-h-o-y we're also on facebook and we have really lovely messages from people on facebook all the time so thanks everyone for that um people really enjoyed the episodes we did last series so thanks everyone i'm glad you enjoyed them and one thing i always forget to say is Tell your friends. The best way for podcasts to grow or get new listeners is word of mouth. It's, it works for me. If my friend tells me this show is good, I check it out more than someone I don't know saying it. So if you know a friend who might like one of our episodes, suggest one to them or suggest a couple. Um, and you can always leave ratings and reviews. No one ever does that anymore because no one uses like iTunes for things. And that's the only place it matters. But if you do, if you're one of the last people, go and um, give a rating and review. It's been a while since we had one. That's everything. Thank you. Are we on Spotify? Is, is it only Spotify, really, that people use now? Um, I don't know. Yeah, people have all, 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 all their own apps. People use, like, Podbean and Podchat. There's so many different podcast apps. I don't know where, yeah. where people listen to it from. So it's all just sourced from Acast on my end, but that uploads to everywhere. Um, so, yeah, it is on Spotify, yeah. 
Sorry, carry on. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Um, so, that's it. Any final thoughts from anyone? <laughs> we just sort of, we were just sort of petered out. No, I was just, yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't got any final, final thoughts. I, I dare to ask Tiss if he's got any. I've got no final thoughts. <laughs> okay, well, until next time. Do you have a, like a quote, a good quote from the film or something? Um, sort of sprung that on you a little bit. I don't know. Uh, until next I've time. I've got a good one. I'll go on. Well, I was just going to replace the word radio podcast and be clever. Uh, until we're tired. Ta- <laughs> so, God damn. So until next time, <laughs> you've been listening to Weird Tales. It's a transmitter. It's a podcast for talking to God. <laughs> that was better than what I was going to do. God, what are you going to do? Uh, until next time, archaeology you later. That's that's really bad. That's really bad. Well, what's worse, that or arche- archaeology see you later. What's, does Indiana Jones doesn't really have a catchphrase, does he? No, that's the only thing it's missing, isn't it? Closest thing, he does say it belongs in a museum. I'd say his most famous one is like um, when the um, person says, I love you, and he's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the covenant. <laughs> When he gets frozen in um, carbonite. See you later, everyone. (laughs) Gets frozen in Nazi cement. Sorry, where did you say it was? Top man. (laughs)